I'm Matt Bush with BPR News. I'm speaking with Jeremy James. He's a senior who will be graduating this winter from UNC Asheville. Jeremy, thank you so much for coming in today. Uh, thanks for having me, Matt. So tell us, you were one of the presenters at the uh, African Americans in Southern Appalachia Conference earlier this year. You presented on some research you've been doing about mentorship at universities in this region. So tell us a little bit about what you studied. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I studied mentorship and how African-American students receive it at uh, five distinct schools in Western North Carolina, um, UNCA, Mars Hill, Western Carolina, Warren Wilson, and I'm leaving one off right now, Appalachian State. And uh, um, I just was curious to know how students like myself are receiving mentorship at the university, um, specifically faculty-advised mentorship. What drew you to this topic? What made you want to look at this? So I originally got drawn to this topic from uh, a friend of mine this summer. She was an environmental major, and uh, she approached me, and she was like, "Yo, Jerm, do you have a like? Do you have a mentor?" And I was like, "Yeah, I have like three or four that help me out." And she explained to me that her at the time it had been three years, and even her senior year, she's pretty much done all on her own, uh, figuring out like what class she should take, internships, and all this, so that you know, made me curious. I wonder are other um, students going through something like this? And uh, my advisor was like, you should look specifically at, you know, your culture, your group to see how that's looking. What's the significance of mentorship at the collegiate level as a college student? How significant it is to have mentors and have more than one, have, have different people? How significant is that role for a college student? That role is very significant. Like, uh, especially, I guess, this new period of college where we're at where so much is based off of connections. So um, I don't know everyone's situation, but I know my situation going into next year. Um, it's very like, it's like one of the top things they recommend. I already have a mentor. I have somebody in place that you want to work with while you're doing your research. Um, that mentor, that connection allows, like I said before, internships, job connections, uh, when it comes time to getting your research read or someone looking over it, they're going to make sure it's thorough and correct. That uh, that connection is just, it's just pivotal in going to the next level. That connection becomes even more stronger and uh, more necessary when you reach, um, when you're trying to get your master's degree or your PhD degree. Um, specifically, I believe it's about a 50% rate that people end up dropping out at. Um, and then the, the number goes up, like dropout rates for African-American students and Hispanics when we reach uh, PhD in grad school because it's just like there's no support. Um, a lot of us are first generation, so we struggle with knowing the necessary steps to take or even how to go about writing the dissertation. You specifically looked at uh, the number of faculty at each of these universities and colleges that were African-American that could provide mentorship to African-American students. So um, tell us first what you found out in your research. What I found out was that, I mean... Uh, a lot of schools, well, the five schools in our area, uh, the five major schools at that, lack faculty um, inclusion in this. The, uh, right now, speaking specifically about African-American faculty is where it lacks. Um, all the schools were below 5%, which makes that a predominantly white institute. Um, student ratios pretty much matched with the faculty ratios of like being below 5%, all besides Mars Hill. And uh, the reason behind Mars Hill is because of their athletic department and, uh, I guess, the scholarships they're able to give. Um, 
But, you know, what I found through this was that a lot of students that I interviewed um, came back to me and they mentioned diversity and how being able to see people that look like them on campus are in that position um, encourages them to you know, want to continue on with education or even uh, reach for that dream, you know, whatever that dream may be. Uh, I, I think one of the most surprising things that I mentioned in all the uh, people I interviewed were African-American students. Um, they mentioned outside of our own race to uh, other races of like where this is lacking. You know, when we say diversity, we often look at it in just the black and white perspective. And uh, a lot of these students realize that diversity goes beyond black and white. You know, it, it involves Latinx communities, Asian communities. And uh, I mean, sure enough, I've gone through afterwards after these interviews and looked up these numbers and it's like, you're pretty surprised at how much diversity we truly do lack, although colleges and schools always, you know, hit this point of we're diverse. I guess speak from your experience, too, um, of mentorship. And have you been able to have African-American mentors? Um, is it different from having mentors of a different race? I mean, just speak a bit, I guess, from your experience and how mm – -hmm. Now that you have this research and these numbers that back up these these um, you know your research showing the lack of diversity, I mean, just speak from your experience what it's been like uh, as far as having mentors through your college career. All like three of my mentors that I consider to be like pivotal are all um, white women, and uh, I like to add that through doing this research, I realized that at the end of the day, the complexion of your mentor doesn't matter, but where it begins to matter is. Uh, and this is this comes from my experience also. The the women that help me, um, they can only help me so much. They can only understand so much of who I am. Whereas I've only had truly one black professor or one black doctorate in education or academia that I've met. And um, the conversations that I would have with him, it's like he was hitting the hammer on the nail of how I felt about situations or... Um, if I asked him a question about something, he he understood what I meant by it. I didn't have to go into further detail. Like he just he just knew. So that's where the difference comes. It's just that established connection or that established background. Um, but I mean, hitting on that, I have not had an African American mentor. I haven't had uh, someone as the same complexion as me even teach one of my classes. Yeah, it's definitely lacking. You also mentioned and it's all these universities, but I think particularly the one I know from people I've talked to at the head of UNC Asheville talked about trying to diversify their student body. Um, how important would it be to diversify the faculty to make to attract maybe a more diverse student body? Is there any sort of correlation there, do you think? I mean, what sorts of things can these universities do really to increase the diversity of the people that work there and go there? Mm -hmm. So... I mean, how I think you fix that issue is, um, <laughs> I don't want to sound like just saying it, but like you have to hire a faculty of color. You have to stop. The, the issue that I read up on was that, um, and not that tenure is an issue, but um, when certain professors are placed on tenure, this I look at it like, uh, like an NBA roster chart. So if there's 15 slots, and 10 of these slots have already been filled, and they have uh, contracts, you can't trade them. It's only five other slots that need to be filled. Um, how many of those people are African-American that are being interviewed are of Asian descent or Latinx descent? How many of these people are, you know, actually uh, fitting the diversity? 
But I guess where the issue also lies is when these departments uh, create their majors or the chair or whatever, they all try to fit, I'm doing air quotes here, like a scheme of how the department should look. So a lot of times um, implicit bias is passed off, implicit or explicit, who knows, is passed off to the people that are interviewing because they didn't go to the right school or they uh, – don't fit how the faculty should look or resemble or be. So I think how you stop that and make that is that you, um, academics and people in academia at the, I guess, drop this bravado, like just because you have the title of doctor or whatever, from whatever school you went to that's prestigious, it doesn't matter. A million other people have that title as well. You need to, I guess, learn inclusion and learn that um, diversity does make education a better experience not for people of color, but for everyone at that. What other things as you were doing the research did you find that maybe surprised you, really stood out to you? Two things in particular that really surprised me. Um, The first was microaggressions. And uh, microaggressions, I mean, as a, you know, this black man, I I feel like I encounter microaggressions every day. And uh, it's become a point with microaggressions and these little comments and little things of like, let me touch your hair and all that, that you no longer um, just kind of face it out. It's just everyday talk. But um, when asking the people I interviewed about this, they would speak to this on like levels. Some would, uh, one student in particular um, laughed at me when I said microaggressions. And he's like, nah, those are macroaggressions. You know, like these are big experiences that happen. So we try to play them down like they're small. But uh, that was surprising to hear every student um, have at least (laughs) five or more stories on microaggressions. Uh, The other would be, I I guess, like I said, going back to diversity, the fact that they would mention that to me a lot. That was really shocking. And um, I guess the third element would be the lack of mentorship or faculty advised mentorship. I went in with the idea that... um, I was expecting a lot of people to have mentorship or some form of it. Um, out of all the people I interviewed, only one actually had like actual mentorship. So you have here at the end of the PowerPoint, you have you say you know which you have in conclusion, and the question is why should we care? Mm-hmm. Um, so if someone were to ask you that, <laughs> how would you respond? <laughs> uh, I just gave this presentation again yesterday, and uh, I don't. My, I don't think my answer is changing with this. I mean, we should care because I don't want to make this solely about me, but know that there are, like, a lot of black kids out there like myself that uh, dream of wanting to be doctor or whatever, um, whether it be in medical or whatever, or even a lawyer. We're not placed in a position where we're able to see a lot of people like ourselves there. So this should matter or we should care because... Uh, if you're able to put more people on staff and faculty and give more representation, um, I think I think our numbers will grow in colleges. Um, I think a lot of people would be not chasing the same dreams, the same goals of jobs. But uh, I don't know, it's important because it's just a lot of kids that dream about doing something but don't see it firsthand done by others. And lastly, I did want to talk to you about microaggressions because I know in your presentation you, you, you mentioned that too and you mentioned it here as we're chatting today um, how much that stood out. How do, you, how do we address that? Um, you said it, it's so common. 
mm-hmm. um, that you at some points just sort of try to block it out or act like it doesn't happen. But it's obviously it happens quite a bit. So how does is there a way to address that other than telling people you know be very cognizant of what you say? I mean, how how, how can you know I, I, as a white man you tell me like how is that something you can tell white people mm-hmm. um, to address that so that it is it doesn't happen as often and we get to the point where it just doesn't happen at all. So I say this as a quote to allude to something, and I hope you get what I mean. Uh, J. Cole has this line where he says, um, fear is lack of understanding. And I think a lot of times it's black people we have feared are so, cause I realize a lot of microaggressions that happen to me are verbal or just like these, like I said, um, people touching my hair or something like that. I realize it's, it's the lack of them not understanding. So, um, I, I see that if people are able to like, truly just sit down and ask questions and talk and understand where we're coming from a little bit more, maybe um, these microaggressions wouldn't happen as much. But I understand that's a big step of trying to get white people or get people um, outside of my race to understand my culture and who I am so to where these things don't happen. Because, I mean, everybody makes stereotypes uh in some form or way has, says some type of microaggression. Um, the key is just to get people to understand, um, to be aware of the other side and to realize why certain things that are done are said are wrong. So it's just gaining understanding. Take, Go to UNCA, take a uh, African studies class or something, you know? Well, so my question, is there anything else you'd like to add of, of what you researched and what you found? And, and as you say the, on the last slide here, what's next? I mean, um, so is there anything else you'd like to add about this? I guess what's next is that, I mean, I would love to continue doing this research and uh, going on, especially going to um, PhD school. I'm looking to continue this. So, uh, I mean... If you ever see me on the street, feel free to (laughs) stop me. Maybe we can do an interview. (laughs) Well, Jeremy James, thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks for having me, man.